You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Midland, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered missional family. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit www.redeemermidland.org. Welcome to Redeemer and welcome back indoors. If you were with us the last three weeks, you know we were having church in the park at Hogan Park, which I, for one, uh, loved. I got a little bit of sun, albeit just uh, the right side since I was standing on the stage and the sun was here. So uh, my vote was to send us back to the park for three more weeks, flip everything around 180 degrees so I can balance out the tan. But I think I got voted down by the staff. So uh, welcome back to the air conditioner. Praise the Lord, huh? Although there is a cold front today, you're experiencing it right now. The high today is 95, so we're excited about that. Yes, it's like the most response we've had in months. Winter is coming, but that's not why I'm here today. If you have a Bible, uh, let me invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 25. Uh, We are continuing a series through uh, some parables that Jesus uh, shared, that Jesus used to teach us. Uh, For those of you that are joining us, uh, maybe in the room for the first time in this series or maybe on Online. Welcome to those who are joining through live stream. Uh, a parable is a story uh, that's made up or it's fabricated for a specific reason and normally takes something that's very familiar to us in life, uh, a certain uh, context or certain characters or certain uh, thing in life that's familiar, and Jesus would take that and, and create a story around that to help us uh, learn something that might be unfamiliar to us. Normally, it's about uh, the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus is very well familiar with. Uh, he he was in heaven before he descended to earth. And so when he, uh, when he shares parables, he's connecting us uh, with th- these uh, very real realities about uh, the kingdom of heaven and what Jesus is doing uh, on planet earth. Uh, and oftentimes, um, not only are uh, our parables designed so that they're easy for us to understand, uh, Jesus designed the parables because they're also easy to relate to other people. Uh, they're easy to retell. And so, uh, in the first century, the gospel was spread very, very quickly, uh, oftentimes through word of mouth and people sharing the realities of the gospel of the kingdom uh, through these stories, because you know that stories are easier to remember sometimes than a, a bullet point list of 10 different theological truths. And so Jesus would uh, teach us these things, not only to remember, uh, but for us to retell. So I want to encourage you to retell these at some point in the week. Uh, tell them to your friends, tell them to your family, uh, use these parables if you have children, to talk to them and to teach them what the kingdom of heaven is about. Uh, we, we finished up the book of Romans a few weeks ago, and Romans is a long book that is really, it, it builds upon itself this monster case where it shows us the gospel. Uh, the parables are different. They really are, most of them, uh, they're standalone stories that teach one truth uh, mainly for us. And so in Matthew chapter 25 today, uh, we're going to be looking at the parable uh, of the talent. Everybody say talents. Now, oftentimes, Jesus would share parables, and they were shared to the masses, uh, hundreds of people, thousands of people. Uh, sometimes that crowd would include people that loved him and wanted to follow him, people that were skeptical of him, people that hated him, people that were curious. A lot of times the masses were there, and he was teaching something. This particular parable, he is just sharing to the 12 disciples. Uh, he is sharing something unique to Christians or to those who have, um, with their own 
own uh, decisions decided that they want to uh, bend their lives toward Jesus to be followers of him. Um, So that's the backdrop for Matthew chapter 25. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. And if you are there, say, ready. If you are not there, it will be here on the screen for you also. Verse 14 says, from Jesus' own lips, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. Uh, That's kind of the the basis, the the foundation for this parable that Jesus is going to teach us this morning. Uh, A few different things we want to piece together already is there was a man uh, in this parable. Uh, It would be like a man going on a journey. We know from this man that he's probably, uh, he represents a a wealthy person, a landowner. He's got uh, a lot of possessions, a lot of money. He has uh, some uh, servants that work for him, uh, possibly some type of a a king in the country that just has a a little bit of a kingdom around him. Uh, And he uh, is going on a journey, but he takes some of his possessions. And what he is doing is he's not giving them to these three characters in the story. He's entrusting them. And there's a big difference. Uh, If he just gave it to them, it could be uh, their possession and their prerogative to use however they wanted. And then he would have no connection left. That's not what he's doing in the story. He is entrusting for a certain time, uh, a certain resources and giving them responsibility, uh, and yet he still owns that, but they are temporary stewards of that. That's important for uh, the goal of the story. Uh, And uh, what Jesus uses here is the word talents, Uh, and talents is just basically a a measure of wealth, uh, and it would actually be a very large measure of wealth, Uh, five talents, who that that, that was the biggest amount given to uh, these three uh, folks. Five talents would represent basically enough capital cash uh, to pay a hundred day laborers for an entire year. Um, So if you think about that, even one talent was enough to get a lot of work done. Uh, So there's a difference. There's five talents, there's two, there's one. I don't think the amount matters as much as uh, a couple other things we're going to piece together today. Uh, But think about it like just a bag of gold. You're like, well, how big is the bag? It doesn't matter, does it? If I were to say, hey, do you want a bag of gold? How many of you would say, I don't know. It depends on the size of the bag. What would you say? Yes, please, and thank you. Like, there's, there's, he gives one man five bags of gold. He gives another man two bags of gold, gives another man one bag of gold. Even with the one, that was enough to accomplish quite a bit. Verse 16. And he who had received the five talents, he went at once and he traded with them, and he made five talents more, doubled his money. And so also he who had the two talents, he made two talents more, doubled his money as well. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And the way that Jesus tells this story, he starts with the man with five talents, and you see, oh, wow, he, he doubled it, like a 100% return. And you get excited, like, that's a really good return. And then he tells the story, almost the exact same wording for the second character that had two talents. He did the same thing, and he doubled his money. And Jesus is kind of building this rhythm or this expectation where you just expect, uh, when it comes around to the man with one talent, he says, and that man with one talent, he doubled his, and he had two, uh, but that's where Jesus changes the story. Uh, this, This man with one talent, instead he went out and dug a hole 
there's a really good chance that I, my lineage comes from this man because my kids dig holes all the time and they're always burying stuff in the backyard. We're trying to teach them to be the other guys, right? This is not the one we're trying to be. But he goes out and he digs a hole and he buries the talents and then he just kind of kicks back and relaxes and waits for his servant to return. Verse 19. Now, after a long time, so apparently this, this man, this ruler, this king uh, was not in a huge hurry. He gave them plenty of time. He was very patient so that they might uh, figure out a way to invest the money uh, that he had given them stewardship over. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants, he came and he settled accounts with them. So he calls them together. Who knows if it was months or years, but he's come to uh, really investigate to see how they had used what he had entrusted them with. And he who had received the five talents came forward. And in English, that, that phrase or that, that verb that says came forward, uh, the, the, the original language that Jesus used that it was a little bit more descriptive than just come forward. Uh, it very honestly means like he, he delivered something with ceremony and with pride, almost like I am so proud of what I did. And so he kind of makes this ceremony where he comes and he presents uh, to the master what he has done. That's the, that's the, the real meaning behind the, just the words came forward. So the man who had the five talents. He's really excited. He's proud of his work in a good way and what he has done. And so he comes to the king and he presents it to him. And he says, I'm bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. And here I've made five talents more. He was excited. It reflected well on him and it reflected honor towards his, uh, towards his master. And so he was filled with this uh, kind of good uh, pride in his work and he presents it to his king. In the verse 21, it says, And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, he came forward. Same thing. He presented this with a lot of pride. He was excited that he honored his master and that he presented himself well. And he says, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, same exact thing. Now, th the amount was very different. He only made two talents as opposed to five talents. But the, the master doesn't focus in on the amount. He focuses on, like, the percentage. They both had the same percent return. His master said the exact same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and so I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Give me a moment to take just a little bit of a side note, um, because this, this is not the main topic uh, of this parable that Jesus is sharing, but I do think it's important and it's noteworthy um, that, that Jesus talks about, not just here, um, but in other places, and the Bible talks about in a lot of places that uh, what you do with a little will normally be the best indicator for what you will do if you've been given much. And so we prove faithfulness when we just have a little bit. We don't uh, just kind of use our, our money foolishly while we have a little bit, thinking that once we get a raise or once we get more, then we'll be faithful, right? Uh, they, for those of you who have been through job interviews, you know that uh, oftentimes they'll ask you about past successes. Why is that? Uh, because the best indicator of future success is what? It's past success. The best indicator of being faithful over much is what? It's being faithful over little. We learn faithfulness 
oftentimes in just when we don't have much, when we have little, and if you're faithful in little, then God says he will grant you more. I was a college pastor uh, for uh, quite a few years in the Dallas area, uh, and so we had a lot of college students that were going to school, and some of them were working jobs and just did not have a lot of money. And what I saw over the years was two different types of college students. Uh, One that was like, you know, I don't make much, uh, you know, six, seven, eight dollars an hour, whatever, uh, whatever minimum wage was back in the day. Uh, I remember when I was working like in high school, minimum wage was like five dollars and 15 cents uh, an hour, which is like a gallon of gas. So uh, times have changed. But there was like one type of college student thought, you know what, I don't make that much money. And so I'm just not going to be real faithful. I'm not going to in faith uh, invest in the kingdom. I'm not going to uh, tithe. I'm not going to give. I'm going to wait until I get a job and I make more money. And guess what? Over time, you notice is that they if they were not willing to be faithful with a little bit, all of a sudden when they have more, it's not like this fl- this switch just flips and they're faithful. And then you've got another type of, of student that's like, man, I don't have much, but I want to be faithful with what I have. That's the type of person that as they are given more, uh, they tend to be faithful with more. Why? Because when we're faithful with a little, it proves that we're able to be entrusted with more. I read this the other day. Uh, Rick Warren, who is a pastor in California, wrote, um, I believe it's the best-selling book in American history, and uh, he mentioned something about why he believed God allowed him to write that book. Uh, and he talks about his uh, his uh, just uh, his tithing habits, basically, from when he was just uh, not making much of anything, but he trusted the Lord, and he wanted to be faithful, and he believed that uh, there's a command to be faithful and to tithe and to give to the church. And so he did, and he said, I believe that God entrusted me with the most uh, incredible best-selling book in the history of the nation because God knew what I would do with the money. And I remember him thinking, like, because he was faithful in a little, with a little, God entrusted him with more. Side note, not the point of this passage, but I think it is incredibly important. We keep going. Verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, he came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Okay, his excuse was, I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground, and here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. See, the the, the master's intent matters a great deal. And what the master intended for that uh, talent was for that talent to be used and invested and grown. And so his frustration was uh, that his intent was disregarded, right? And that, can, can we agree, like that's, per, Jesus is trying to communicate something very strong. Can we agree if Jesus talks about a character and he describes them as wicked and slothful that that's not who we're supposed to be like. Agreed? I mean, he's, he, he, he's being incredibly serious. I'm sure he offended some of the disciples, maybe. I'm sure he offended uh, a lot of people over the centuries that have, uh, have read through this and have listened to this parable. He says, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money, at least with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. He's like, bare minimum, you should have at least just taken it to the bank, and then you would have gotten at least a little bit of interest. 
I think it's interesting. It, it probably took more effort to go out and dig a hole and put the money in the ground than it would have to take the money to the bank. Have you all ever noticed that if people have kind of a, a slothful, lazy bend, that they'll use more energy trying to get out of work than sometimes they would just by doing the work? Anybody? If you don't know somebody like that, it might be you, all right? <laughs> I'm just saying, who was that? Was that Bob? <laughs> Wicked and slothful servant. And see, notice that the master doesn't say, he doesn't affirm what, what, what the guy with the one talent said. The guy with the one talent was like, I was scared. I was afraid. And he's like, no, you weren't. He doesn't say, yeah, you were nervous, you were scared, you were afraid. No, he calls him wicked and slothful because this man's fear was his excuse, but the reality was his problem was he was lazy. He used fear as the excuse, but laziness was actually his uh, problem. Verse 28. So this is his response to the man with the one talent that just went and dug a hole and hid it. So take the talent from him. And give it to him who has the ten talents, for to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what is Jesus using this story to teach us? What are we supposed to gather from this parable about the three different men with talents that should affect our lives? A few things that we need to learn. Um, number one, first, I think just to, to mention this, um, this is not necessarily a financial parable. I think there are obviously some implications for how we uh, live our financial lives, but uh, th this is a much more uh, all-encompassing, complete life-encompassing story and truth that we should learn. So from this parable, a few things that we learn. Uh, number one, God has interest. So if we take this story and we translate it that the story is about God as a king and us as his servants, okay? And so if you translate that, here's what we learn about our role in the kingdom of God. Number one, God has entrusted each of us with certain, quote, talents. Okay, when I say talents, uh, I'm not, I, I don't mean like the, the, what the English word talents, just kind of like uh, physical abilities. Uh, we just kind of use that as an all-encompassing. He's given us quote unquote, a bag of gold. And, and that could be, that, that includes your, your time, that includes your money, that includes your passions, that includes your spiritual gifts, that includes your natural gifts. Uh, all of the things that God has given us, uh, we will refer to those just simply as talents. And God has not just given you, if you're a believer in Christ, God has given you, entrusted you with certain things. He's given you a certain amount of time on planet earth. He's given you a certain amount of money. He's given each of you very unique passions and things that you're excited about and things that you want to invest in. He's given each one of you uh, a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts. He's given each one of you uh, natural gifts. Uh, those were given by God and entrusted to us. Okay. You need to know that, that you have those. God deposited them uh, in you. Number two, you need to know that God had a purpose in mind when entrusting those things to you. God had a purpose when he decided what he was going to entrust in you. What's the purpose? 
people. There, there, there's a lot of purposes. He wants you to use those things first to maximize the glory of Christ, uh, to use your time and your money and your passions and your energies and your spiritual gifts and your natural gifts to all of these things, all of the talents uh, to magnify and to glorify and to cause a lot of people to think much of Jesus. Uh, he's also given those to you to love and to serve your neighbor. He's given those to you to try to help share the gospel so that people meet Jesus. He's given those to you so that you can help disciple people. Every Christian should be a disciple maker. Uh, that's the great commission that Jesus gave his followers. Uh, he's given them to us to, to love and serve others, to love and serve the church, right? There's a lot of reasons uh, that God gave you certain talents. He was very purposeful, and the intent of the giver matters. Number three, we have been given different measures. Okay, now this is like very un-American. <laughs> a lot of people, they don't like this, like, well, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem equitable that he gave them all different things. But it says in the parable that he gave them different amounts according to their abilities. And so it's actually the definition of fair, that we're only expected uh, to... to, to to, to grow or to invest on what we have been given. And if you think about it, this is actually a little bit of a, of a weight off of our shoulders, a little bit of a, a release, because uh, we're not expected to perform like somebody who's been given different things than us. Uh, years ago, uh, when I was uh, in Dallas, um, there was a, an older couple at our church, and uh, he had been a pastor for a long time. And uh, when he passed away, uh, his, uh, his, his wife called me and said, I have some books from his study that I want to give you. And uh, so I go over to her house, and she hands me this big box of books, and I open it up, and lo and behold, it was all books from John Piper, who, uh, if you don't know who John Piper is, he is a uh, pastor and a theologian and an author who has written a lot of incredible books. And I started to open them up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're all signed. I have a box of signed Piper books. And I start reading them, and I read, you know, Let the Nations Be Glad, and I'm like, oh, this is, a, this is an incredible book. Uh, and I read The Legacy of Sovereign Joy, and I'll like, oh, this is an and I start reading these books, and I'm 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 really excited about uh, Piper and his books, and I get almost to the end of reading this box of books, and I find out he's already written like three or four more. I'm like, Dad, come it! Now I got to read those. I'm trying to read those, and and before long, I realize John Piper writes books faster than I read them. All right, and I was like, well, that's not fair. And then I thought, oh, you know what? God doesn't expect me to be John Piper. Maybe John Piper was given five talents. Maybe I was given one. And so I don't need to be trying to race somebody else. Uh, I need to think about what has God entrusted with me and to know that those things are different, that we've been given different measures. That's actually a very good thing. He says that he gives us talents or gifts or abilities according to our abilities, which means He's not going to expect something from you that you can't do. That's good news, right? How many of you are like, I don't know, if that's the bar, I'm just not going to make God real happy because I, I can't write a book a week. Like, I remember thinking that was so was such a relief to me that, you know what, I'm responsible not to be John Piper, but to be Jason Hatch. And God has given me certain passions and certain abilities and certain talents, and I need to use those and to maximize those for his glory. You need to know we are not responsible for other people's talents, right? But we are responsible for ours. We're not responsible to, um, to, 
I mean, that, that, that's, the, that's the whole purpose behind him sharing why they, uh, how they took five talents and doubled it. It wasn't the amount, it was the percentage. They both worked hard and they doubled what they had. Number four, you need to know that we are responsible to use our talents wisely. Okay, this is a truth that I think has become kind of uh, maybe foreign uh, to the church in America. A lot of times it's not talked about, um, but there will come a day when, uh, just as Jesus said in this parable, that the master comes to, give, to get an account from, from people he entrusted it to. Like, there, there's coming a day when we will have to answer to Jesus for how we used the talents that he entrusted with us. We're responsible to him for what he has given us. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I played a handful of different sports, and I remember my youth pastor at the day, he told me this quote uh, that uh, it just it, it struck a chord in my heart, and I printed it out, and I, I put it up on the, the wall in my room, in my bedroom, and I remember thinking about it often as I would try to uh, leverage my abilities for the glory of God. Uh, the quote was this. He said, potential is God's gift to you, but how you use your potential is your gift to God abilities, like that's, that's God giving you and trusting you with something. And what you do with that, how you use that is the way that you get to glorify and give back to God. We're responsible to use our talents wisely. Now, th this is the parable and the parable is a story about us and God, right? The parable is a story about us and God that we've all been entrusted with something. We've been given talents, and we get the chance to uh, be like one of those three people, to take what we have, to invest it uh, in the glory of Christ and loving and serving others and loving and serving the church, or uh, we can be like the third person and just kind of make some excuses and, and bury it or use it for our own gain or our own self, not for the reasons that it has been entrusted to us. So what we're supposed to learn about us is how to respond based on these three men. But what we're supposed to learn about God, or really Christ, is how Jesus talks about the master in this story. He sets the master apart, really, from the slave masters of the day, because if Jesus is telling the story in the first century, this would have been very accessible. A lot of people would probably know a person just like this man, like, oh, yeah, I've heard about so-and-so down the street. He's got a lot of money, got a lot of property, got some servants. Uh, and so it would not have been a crazy thing uh, for a wealthy person to entrust their servants with with talents that wouldn't have been crazy. It wouldn't have even been a crazy thing for that, uh, for that master to, to praise his servants. What would have caught the original hearers totally off guard is when this master comes back and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. When he invites servants into the joy and to partake in all of the things that he has, and he's now sharing with them, that's what would have caught them off guard. Like, what kind of king is this? What kind of king would invite just lowly servants in to enjoy all of the good things that he has, and yet that's what we're supposed to learn from this parable, not just how we're supposed to respond, but how good of a king and a master Jesus is. There is a, I believe, a very innate desire that human beings have to hear the words, well done. 
Do y'all know that? Like if you have kids, there's some, like you, you didn't teach them this, but they draw a picture and they come and they hand it to you. And it's like they're, they're leaning in and they're waiting on something. What are they waiting on? It's like there's something inside of their soul, part of their hu- little human DNA. They're like, it's just like they did desperately need to hear well done. And so you take the picture like, oh my gosh, this is an incredible house. Well done. They're like, it's a dinosaur. You're like, okay, well, well done on the dinosaur. And they get all, I mean, they beam, they smile. Like, that, like they, 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 were, they were built, we were, we were built with this desire to, to, to hear, well done. I, I was doing prison ministry years and years ago with Bill Glass Prison Crusades, and I remember him saying um, that about 95% of uh, men in prison, the, the, the way that they wound up there is they never had a dad in their lives say, well done, and it has caused some major problems in their lives. There's a, an, an innate need to hear, well done. Like, even cats have it. We have a cat named Gobbler. Gobbler kills a mouse the other day, and he brings it up, and he drops it on the porch, and what does he do? He just kind of waits till you come out. Why? Because he wants you to be like, good job, Gobbler. Well done. You did your job. Like the, it, but humans, uh, we're, we're better than cats. Write that down. Like there, there's, a, there's a need that we have, and I think it's like, do you need to hear from your dad? Yes. Do you need to hear from your mom? Yes. But that's a shadow that we were designed to be pleasing to God, to hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, listen to this. This is very, very important. We're going to hear, and maybe a multiple of things, but at least two different things potentially from Jesus when we are done with this life. Okay, there will be a moment, you know this day is coming when you will breathe your last breath and you will be done uh, with the, the talents that God has given you. Your time will be over, your money will be somewhere else, uh, your energies, everything will be spent. And then there's an accounting where we stand before Jesus. And at least two things he says he will say. One is, well done. <laughs> Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. And one is, depart from me, I never knew you. Okay, those are very, very different things. And we need to live our lives knowing that the finish line, one, for those who are truly in Christ, and two, for those who have used their talents well, there is a well-done, good, and faithful servant. I want to read to you, uh, th- th- these, this is one of the last recorded words that we have from the Apostle Paul. I mean, the most dominant figure in Christian history outside of Christ himself. Uh, This is coming from 2 Timothy, uh, which is probably the last book that he wrote. uh, He was was an older man. He had uh, used his life and invested it well. I'm sure, just like all of us, uh, he had plenty of regrets, uh, plenty of things he wished he could do over. But as he is an old man and he's thinking about his life and what he has done, he writes these letters to uh, his young protege, Timothy. Uh, So 2 Timothy is the last book that he wrote. Chapter 4, it's the last chapter in the last book from the heart of Paul. And he says this, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. That's him saying, listen, this is it. I'm just, I'm old. Uh, My body's failing. I can tell I don't have much time left on earth. I've been poor. I've been giving my life for Jesus, for others. I've been poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He says, I have fought the good fight. He says, I finished the race. 
I have kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. There needs to be a desire in your soul to use what God has entrusted you so that Jesus welcomes you. He's like, well, well done, good and faithful servant. Like you can tell, like this has, has driven Paul's life. It's not just something he got to the end. He's like, I, I accidentally did it. No, it was constantly in his mind. How can I use what God has entrusted with me to maximize the glory of Christ, to pour myself out like a drink offering, not to just use our time and our money for ourselves, but to think about why has God given me what he has given me? Why has he placed me in Midland? Why has he given me these resources? Why has he given me these relationships to maximize the glory of Christ and to love and to serve others? Now, I think that there's a difference in acceptance and reward, okay? We are accepted based on the merit of Jesus Christ, and that's it. Like when we get there and he says, welcome in, that's not because we crushed it with our talents. That's because Jesus died to cover our sins, and he credited all of his righteousness to our account, and we're forgiven, and we're right, we're justified before God, and we're welcomed into the kingdom. But what Paul is talking about is some type of reward that will be for those who wisely use their talents, and I want to urge you to think about that day, to live your life, to use your resources, to use your time as if Jesus has entrusted them with you for just a certain time, for a certain purpose, and he's going to come and he's going to ask an account. Listen, when I was a kid, I, I, I needed to hear my dad say, I'm proud of you. Needed to hear him say, well done. Just a few years ago, I mean, I'm a grown man. I've got uh, kids. I've got a wife. We've been married a while. We planted a church. Like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm kind of a grown man. And uh, I was preaching on my birthday a few years ago. My dad just texted me. He said, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, oh, thanks, Dad. Oh, I needed that. It was like, it was, it's so powerful. But like, it's still just a shadow. Like, I want to hear from Jesus. Like, I want to hear from Jesus. Man, well done. Gosh, you're good. You're faithful. You're still a servant. I still, I'm a servant. I am a servant to Jesus. I'm a slave to Christ, but I want to be a faithful one. So you have been given talents from God, each according to our own abilities. He expects us to use them. And that's really a big way in which he plans to push the gospel out to the ends of the earth through Christians who are using their talents to maximize the glory of Christ and to love and to serve others. I want to invite you to bow your head, close your eyes, and I want to pray that God would light a fire in our heart and our soul that we just have really a brief time. Paul calls it a vapor. And you know this, you blink, you're like, where did life go? How did, how did, how did the time pass so quickly? 
you just have one life, one life to live. And I would love to pray that the Holy Spirit would ignite in our souls a fire and a desire to use it wisely for the sake of Jesus and eternity. Jesus, we thank you for this parable that you shared. God, I pray that you would push slothfulness out of our hearts and our souls. God, help us to see the life and the time and the money and the passions and the resources, the abilities. Help us to see all those things as things that have been given to us for a short time to use for your purposes. God, would you forgive us when we have used them just simply for ourselves God, we know that we are accepted by pure grace based on Jesus' work on our behalf. We also know that we have been given a life, and I pray that you would help us to live it wisely for your glory. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Holy Spirit, I pray that you might stir up in our hearts. God, as we sing in these next few moments, I pray that we would sing songs and truths about who you are, Jesus, and what you've done for us, in us, through us, and to us. I pray that you would be glorified in these next few moments that we have together as a church family. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We need you. And I pray all this, Jesus, through your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.